The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 3, The Guillotine. Book 6, Thermidor. Chapter 7, Go Down To. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 6, Chapter 7, Go Down To. Tallien's eyes beamed bright on the morrow, ninth of Thermidor, or about nine o'clock, to see that the convention had actually met. Paris is in rumour, but at least we are met in legal convention here. We have not been snatched seriatim, treated with a pride's purge at the door. Allons, brave men of the plain, late frogs of the marsh, cried Tallien with a squeeze of the hand as he passed in. St. Just's sonorous organ being now audible from the tribune, and the game of games begun. St. Just is verily reading that report of his green vengeance in the shape of Robespierre, watching nigh. Behold, however, St. Just has read but few sentences when interruption rises, rapid crescendo, when Tallien starts to his feet, and Billot, and this man starts, and that, and Tallien a second time with his Citoyen, at the Jacobins last night I trembled for the Republic. I said to myself, if the Convention dares not strike the tyrant, then I myself dare, and with this I will do it, if need be, said he, whisking out a clear gleaming dagger, and brandishing it there, the steel of Brutus, as we call it whereat we all bellow and brandish impetuous acclaim. Tyranny! Dictatorship! Triumvirate! And the salut committee men accuse, and all men accuse, and uproar, and impetuously acclaim. And St. Just is standing motionless, pale of face, Couton ejaculating triumvir, with a look at his paralytic legs. And Robespierre is struggling to speak, but President Turio is jingling the bell against him, but the hall is sounding against him like an Aeolus hall, and Robespierre is mounting the tribune steps and descending again, going and coming like to choke with rage, terror, desperation, and mutiny is the order of the day. Oh, President Turio! Thou that wert electeturio, and from the Bastille battlement sawest Saint Antoine rising like the ocean tide, and hast seen much since, sawest thou ever the like of this? Jingle of bell which thou jinglest against Robespierre is hardly audible amid the bedlam storm, and men rage for life. President of assassins, shrieks Robespierre, I demand speech of thee for the last time. It cannot be had. To you, O virtuous men of the plain, cries he, finding audience one moment, I appeal to you. The virtuous men of the plain sit silent as stones, and Thurio's bell jingles, and the hall sounds like Aeolus Hall. Robespierre's frothing lips are grown blue, his tongue dry, cleaving to the roof of his mouth. The blood of Danton chokes him, cry they. Accusation! Decree of accusation! Thurio swiftly puts that question. Accusation passes. The incorruptible Maximilian is decreed accused. I demand to share my brother's fate as I have striven to share his virtues, cries Augustin, the younger Robespierre. Augustin also is decreed. 
and Couton and Saint-Just and Le Bar, they are all decreed and packed forth, not without difficulty, the ushers almost trembling to obey. Triumvirate and company are packed forth into Salut Committee Room, their tongue cleaving to the roof of their mouth. You have but to summon the municipality to cashier Commandant Enrio and launch arrest at him to regular formalities, hand tam via his victims. It is noon. The Iolus Hall has delivered itself, blows now victorious, harmonious, as one irresistible wind. And so the work is finished? One thinks so, and yet it is not so. Alas, there is yet but the first act finished, three or four other acts still to come, and an uncertain catastrophe. A huge city holds in it so many confusions, seven hundred thousand human heads, not one of which knows what its neighbour is doing, nay, not what itself is doing. See, accordingly, about three in the afternoon, Commandant Onrio, how, instead of sitting cashiered, arrested, he gallops along the quay, followed by municipal gendarmes, trampling down several persons. For the town hall sits deliberating, openly insurgent, barriers to be shut, no jailer to admit any prisoner this day, and Onrio is galloping towards the Tuileries to deliver Robespierre. On the Quai de la Ferraillerie, a long citoyen, walking with his wife, says aloud, Gendarmes, that man is not your commandant, he is under arrest. And gendarmes strike down the young citoyen with a flat of their swords. Representatives themselves, as Merlin, the Thionville, who accost him, this puissant Henriot flings into guardhouses. He bursts towards the Tuileries committee room to speak with Robespierre, with difficulty, the ushers and Tuileries gendarmes earnestly pleading and drawing sabre, seize this Henriot, get the Henriot gendarmes persuaded not to fight, get Robespierre and company packed into hackney coaches, sent off under escort to the Luxembourg and other prisons. This, then, is the end? May not an exhausted convention adjourn now for a little repose and sustenance at five o'clock? An exhausted convention did it, and repented it. The end was not come, only the end of the second act. Hark, while exhausted representatives sit at victuals, toxin bursting from all steeples, drums rolling in the summer evening, Judge Coffinall is galloping with new gendarmes to deliver Henriot from Tuileries committee room, and does deliver him. Puissant Henriot vaults on horseback, sets to haranguing the Tuileries gendarmes, corrupts the Tuileries gendarmes too, trots off with them to town hall. Alas, and Robespierre is not in prison. The jailer showed his municipal order, durst not on pain of his life admit any prisoner. The Robespierre hackney coaches, in confused jangle and whirl of uncertain gendarmes, have floated safe into the town hall. There sits Robespierre and company, embraced by municipals and Jacobins in sacred right of insurrection, redacting proclamations, sounding toxins, corresponding with sections and mother society. Is not here a pretty enough third act of a natural Greek drama, catastrophe more uncertain than ever? 
the hasty convention rushes together again in the ominous nightfall. President Collot, for the chair is his, enters with long strides, paleness on his face, claps on his hat, says with solemn tone, Citoyen, armed villains have beset the committee rooms and got possession of them. The hour is come to die at our post. We, oui, answers one and all, we swear it. It is no rodomontade this time, but a sad fact and necessity. Unless we do at our post, we must verily die. Swift, therefore, Robespierre, Henriot, the municipality, are declared rebels. Put hors la loi, out of law. Better still, we appoint Barra, commandant of what armed force is to be had, send missionary representatives to all sections and quarters to preach and raise force. We'll die at least with harness on our back. What a distracted city, men riding and running, reporting and hearsaying, the hour clearly in travail, child not to be named till born. The poor prisoners in the Luxembourg hear the rumour, tremble for a new September. They see men making signals to them on skylights and roofs. Apparently, signals of hope cannot in the least make out what it is. We observe, however, in the eventide, as usual, the death tumbrils faring southeastward through Saint-Antoine towards their barrier du Tron. Saint-Antoine's tough bowels melt. Saint-Antoine surrounds the tumbrils, says it shall not be. Oh, heavens, why should it? Henriot and gendarmes scouring the streets that way, bellow with waved sabres that it must. Quit hope, ye poor doomed, the tumbrils move on. But in this set of tumbrils there are two other things notable. One notable person and one want of a notable person. The notable person is Lieutenant General Loisserol, a nobleman by birth and by nature, laying down his life here for his son. In the prison of Saint-Lazare, the night before last, hurrying to the grate to hear the deathless read, he caught the name of his son. The son was asleep at the moment. I am Loisereau, cried the old man, at Tanvier's bar, an error in the Christian name is little. Small objection was made. The want of the notable person, again, is that of Deputy Payne. Payne has sat in the Luxembourg since January, and seemed forgotten. But Fouquier had pricked him at last. The turnkey, list in hand, is marking with chalk the outer doors of tomorrow's fourne. Payne's outer door happened to be open, turned back on the wall. The turnkey marked it on the side next him, and hurried on. Another turnkey came and shut it. No chalk mark now visible, the fourne went without Payne. Payne's life lay not there. Our fifth act of this natural Greek drama, with its natural unities, can only be painted in gross, somewhat as that antique painter, driven desperate, did the foam. For through this blessed July night there is clangour, confusion very great, of marching troops, of sections going this way, sections going that, of missionary representatives reading proclamations by torchlight, Missionary Legendre, who has raised force somewhere, emptying out the Jacobins and flinging their key on the convention table. I have locked their door. It shall be virtue that reopens it. Paris, we say, is set against itself, rushing confused as ocean currents do, 
a huge maelstrom sounding there under cloud of night. Convention sits permanent on this hand, municipality most permanent on that. The poor prisoners hear toxin and rumour, strive to bethink them of the signals apparently of hope. Meek continual twilight streaming up, which will be dawn and a tomorrow, silvers the northern hem of night. It wends and wends there with that meek brightness like a silent prophecy along the great ring-dial of the heaven. So still, eternal, and on earth all is confused shadow and conflict, dissidence, tumultuous gloom and glare, and destiny as yet shakes her doubtful urn. About three in the morning the dissident armed forces have met. Henriot's armed force stood ranked in the Place de Grève, and now Barras, which he has recruited, arrives there, and they front each other, cannon bristling against cannon. Citoyen, cries the voice of discretion loudly enough, before coming to bloodshed, to endless civil war, hear the convention decree read. Robespierre and all rebels out of law. Out of law? There is terror in the sound. Unarmed citoyens disperse rapidly home. Municipal cannoneers range themselves on the convention side with shouting. At which shout Henriot descends from his upper room, far gone in drink, as some say, finds his place de grave empty, the cannon's mouth turned towards him, and on the whole, that is now the catastrophe. Stumbling in again, the wretched, drunk, sobered Henriot announces, All is lost, miserable, it is thou that has lost it, cry they, and fling him, or else he flings himself out of the window far enough down into mason-work and horror of cesspool, not into death, but worse. Augustin Robespierre follows him with the like fate. Saint-Just called on Lebar to kill him, who would not. Couton crept under a table, attempting to kill himself, not doing it. On entering that Sanhedrin of insurrection, we find all as good as extinct, undone, ready for seizure. Robespierre was sitting on a chair with pistol-shot blown through, not his head, but under his jaw. The suicidal hand had failed. With prompt zeal, not without trouble, we gather these wretched conspirators, fish up even Henriot and Augustin, bleeding and foul, pack them all, rudely enough, into carts, and shall before sunrise have them safe under lock and key, amid shoutings and embracings. Robespierre lay in the anteroom of the convention hall while his prison escort was getting ready, the mangled jaw bound up rudely with bloody linen, a spectacle to men. He lies stretched on a table, a deal box, his pillow, the sheath of the pistol is still clenched convulsively in his hand. Men bully him, insult him, his eyes still indicate intelligence, he speaks no word. He had on the sky-blue coat he had got made for the feast of the Etre Supreme. O oh, reader, can thy hard heart hold out against that? His trousers were nankeen, the stockings had fallen down over the ankles. He spake no word more in this world. And so at six in the morning a victorious convention adjourns. 
Report flies over Paris as on golden wings, penetrates the prisons, irradiates the faces of those that were ready to perish. Turnkeys and moutons, fallen from their high estate, look mute and blue. It is the 28th day of July, called 10th of Thermidor, year 1794. Fouquier had but to identify, his prisoners being already out of law. At four in the afternoon, never before were the streets of Paris seen so crowded. From the Palais de Justice to the Place de la Révolution, for thither again go the tumbrils this time, it is one dense, stirring mass, all the windows crammed, the very roofs and ridge-tiles budding forth human curiosity in strange gladness. The death tumbrils, with their motley batch of outlaws, some twenty-three or so, from Maximilian to Mayor Fleurio and Simon the Cordwainer, roll on. All eyes are on Robespierre's tumbrel, where he, his jaw bound in dirty linen with his half-dead brother and half-dead Henriot, lie shattered, their seventeen hours of agony about to end. The gendarmes point their sword at him to show the people which is he. A woman springs on the tumbrel, clutching the side of it with one hand, waving the other, sibyl-like, and exclaims, The death of thee gladdens my very heart, mon ivre de joie. Robespierre opened his eyes. Skellera, go down to hell with the curse of all wives and mothers. At the foot of the scaffold they stretched him on the ground till his turn came. Lifted aloft, his eyes again opened, caught the bloody axe. Samson wrenched the coat off him, wrenched the dirty linen from his jaw. The jaw fell powerless, and there burst from him a cry, hideous to hear and see. Samson, thou canst not be too quick. Samson's work done, there burst forth shout on shout of applause. Shout which prolongs itself not only over Paris, but over France, but over Europe, and down to this generation. Deservedly and also undeservedly. O unhappiest advocate of Arar, wert thou worse than other advocates? Strict a man, according to his formula, to his credo and his cant, of probities, benevolences, pleasure of virtue, and such like, lived not in that age. A man fitted in some luckier, settled age to have become one of those incorruptible barren pattern figures and have had marble tablets and funeral sermons. His poor landlord, the cabinet-maker in the Rue Santanore, loved him. His brother died for him. May God be merciful to him and to us. This is the end of the reign of terror new glorious revolution named of Thermidor, of Thermidor Ninth, year two, which being interpreted into old slave style means 27th of July, 1794. Terror is ended, and death in the Place de la Révolution were the tale of Robespierre, once executed, which service Fouquier, in large batches, is swiftly managing. End of book six. Chapter 7